Okay, the kids are dismissed at this time, and uh, let's, let's go to God in his word. Lord, we thank you for the kids and their mission trip and uh, for how they uh, demonstrated your love for them and your love for others through them. Amen. <clears throat> well, a 19-year-old Londoner, uh, he was born in Nigeria, but he played for England. His name is Bukayo Saka had an exceedingly painful moment three weeks ago during the European Championship soccer game when England played Italy. Uh, The score was tied to tied at the end of regulation, and so they had to go to penalty kicks, and each team got five kicks. Uh, Italy uh, kicked first, I believe, and and they went three for five in the penalty kicks. So it was England's time, and uh, they scored two of their first four, and then um, Bukoyo Saka... Uh, got to kick the final goal to tie it up to either end entire or go into extra innings, whatever you call that in soccer. And, and but he he uh, kicked right or left or whatever, and and whatever the goalkeeper dove guessed right, dove in the right direction, ball went right to his arms. So he was responsible for the blocked goal. Well, Saka simply wanted to score a goal to tie the game, but his goal was blocked literally, and his goal of victory was blocked as well. You know, when our goals are blocked, it will end in frustration, sometimes anger. Uh, Sometimes we experience anxiety after a blocked goal, sometimes depression. The U.S. Olympic men's 4x100 sprinters uh, this past week, uh, they missed a key handoff for the second leg of the uh, relay, and they ended up coming in sixth place. They didn't even qualify for the finals. Sixth place in their heat, which is unheard of. And they looked incredibly discouraged in their interview afterwards. One guy talked and he mumbled. The other guys looked down. Um, and a former Olympian who you'd know referred to their team as an embarrassment, a group of clowns lacking leadership. That's kind of humiliating. Their goal was blocked. They couldn't even run in the finals. You know, blocked goals can lead to anger, anxiety, or depression. Um, and when I talk about anxiety and depression today, I'm not going to talk about the, you know, the chemical imbalances that uh, we can uh, get corrected through medication, etc. Uh, but I'm talking about the normal worry, stress, and depression that we can deal with on a regular basis, each one of us, and anger as well. So I'm not talking about the clinical side uh, today, because there's legitimacy for that. But um, anger signals... Uh, a blocked goal. I'm going to talk about anger first. This comes from Neil Anderson's book, Anger Signals a Blocked Goal. As parents, our goal when we go on family vacations, when our kids are young, throw them in the back seat um, and just have a peace-filled, stress-free vacation. That's what we want, right? But then we end up having to reach back. No, quit, kids, quit arguing, quit fighting, you know, and we end up having to discipline them throughout, or we take them to places like Disney World, and, and they're complaining all the time. It's hot. I don't want to stand in line. I'm hungry. And so instead of being peaceful, it ends up being um, very stressful, and that leads to anger because, after all, your parent, as parents, you want a wonderful family vacation memory, and the kids block our goal for that because it's not wonderful. My recent goal um, was for us to find a hotel room when we were in Ohio a couple of weeks ago, or was it a week and a half ago or so, 
just to find one hotel room. Surely there will be plenty of hotel rooms in the metro Cleveland area. Uh, but when I started looking right after noon, I couldn't find a hotel, uh, which was really frustrating and stressful. As my daughter and my wife were doing something, uh, only one could go with us, one daughter, one child. Um, it was frustrating. But then when we all got back together, we all got on our phones trying to find a place. Everything was booked. We finally found a place online. And uh, we booked it through a third party, you know, like uh, Priceline, you know, things like that. We booked it and we were like relieved. But we pulled up to the hotel in, in Cleveland and we, we drove into like an abandoned business complex with abandoned buildings and, and there were weeds and there were um, dumpsters fill, overflowing. And uh, it, it was just, where's the hotel? There's no signage for this well-known hotel. The picture looked like a five-star uh, high-rise hotel, and we were, like, so excited. Even though we had to pay a little extra because it was the last minute, we got there and walked in. Oh, man, it just smelled, and it was dirty and dingy. And I'm going to spare you all the details other than to say this. It made the evening news that night and the next morning, the Cleveland news, because so many guests complained, and so... um, and they left, as we did. We went into a room, and I don't even want to describe what it was, but come to find out it had been used as a homeless shelter for the past year and a half during COVID. Uh, government paid the hotel owner and whatnot, franchise, um, every day until they could no longer use it. They opened it up to public, and they didn't clean it much at all. Black goal. It led me to many phone calls to the hotel chain and the uh, the third party and the hotel itself and their credit card company. And it just, for, during our vacation, it was hardly the stress-free, which produced a little anger in me. My block goal resulted in anger. Uh, fear or anxiety signals an uncertain goal. We wait to hear if we're going to get the promotion for the job. We wait to hear if we made the team. Uh, we want to receive news about the test results. We're waiting to see if it's benign or malignant. Um, and anxiety can keep us up at night. So that's all I'll say about that. Anxiety, uncertain goal. And depression signals an unattainable goal. Your Olympic journey is over. Um, you're disqualified. You can no longer drive your vehicle. I don't want to date you, or I want, don't want to stay married to you any longer, or is terminal. Or in my case this last week, I just want to be real with you. Um, we lost, Michael Brunk was gone on a mission trip when he should have been playing church softball here. <laughs> well, we lost our game for the first time in a long time, lost in, in the playoffs. We lost two games by one run each, and it, it kicked us out of the uh, championship game. And, and so I thought, okay. Oh, and by the way, I had to bat once because one guy had to leave early and I was the only leftover. And so I got up there and I struck out. In slow pitch, I struck out. It's like, oh man, thank you very much. I'm glad I could help. Um, so I, after the game, we shook hands and we had fun. <laughs> one team came back from nine, being nine down in the last inning and they beat us because we fell apart. Uh, but I went home and, you know, I felt okay until the heaviness started to settle in and I replayed the game in my head over and over again and uh, I just felt depressed, you know, because there's nothing I could do about it. We're done, you know, we're done. And then I got depressed because I was depressed. Like, why am I so depressed over a stupid softball game, you know? 
Um, so why do Christians struggle with negative feelings like anger, fear, and depression, even though we are repeatedly told in Scripture that we are overcomers, like Second Peter? His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us to his, for his own glory and goodness. He's given us everything we need to overcome these emotions that can hold us hostage. Could it be that we give greater priority to our goals the pursuit of our desires and ambitions rather than God's goals and ambitions for us? Or could it be that we listen more to the world's definition of what success means rather than God's definition for us? Our negative feelings, anger, fear, depression can be God's warning flags that we're pursuing the wrong goals. How can we grow in freedom? from this anger, from this anxiety, worry, fear, and uh, from depression. First, we need to understand that negative feelings can act as God's warning flags. King David had goals. He wanted to reign as a, the king of Israel. He wanted his kingdom to be at peace, etc. But then as we read through Samuel and, and, and whatnot and read the Psalms, we know that King David had anything but peace at times in his life. People were pursuing him, trying to kill him, even his own son, resulting in him reeling in fear, anxiety, and discouragement. In one such psalm that he prays and sings to God, Psalm 13, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David's negative emotions and feelings overshadowed God's truth. Would God actually forget about David? No. Would God hide his face from David? No. Would God abandon David to his enemies? No, but that's what David felt. Our negative feelings will often lead us to make wrong conclusions about who God is, what he thinks about us, and about the truth. If God were real, then he would not allow this to happen in my life. If God really cared about me, he would deliver me from my pain and these struggles. So after our softball debacle last Monday night, I, again, initially felt fine, but then I got home and then depression, I'm not depression, but depressed feelings and heaviness, and I felt so ashamed. I couldn't get to sleep that night, so I tried to distract my feelings by turning on the TV and watching the Olympics after midnight until 2.45 a.m., and it didn't help when I watched uh, people I was cheering for mess up, blow their routines, or uh, in some cases... Uh, there were a couple people who had false starts for their races. I mean, these runners, they had worked and they had struggled and they had trained and sacrificed for years to get to the place to make a trip across the globe so that they could represent their country. They dreamed and they prayed and they strategized and due to a momentary lapse of judgment, they false started. You're done. Get off the track. We've got a race to run. Sorry, just please leave. Talk about anger, depression, and anxiety for after returning home. What am I going to do with my feelings here? I didn't even get to run. 
Their lifelong goal was blocked. And I can relate because I struck out. Not really. Can't relate to that extent, obviously. But we all can relate to feeling when our goals are blocked, we get angry. Or, or when they're uncertain, we get anxious. Or, when, or sometimes we get depressed when, when it's over. You know, Your Olympic dream is over and you didn't even get to compete. Pack your bags. And I was also struggling at that same time last Monday night with feelings of frustration and anger because we'd gotten ripped off by a Cleveland hotel. And we paid way more than even a motel. I mean, I wouldn't have paid for a little motel for what we... Never mind. We just paid way too much. I was robbed not only of this non-refundable expense because it was through a third party and they wouldn't deal with me. Sorry, we can't do anything. They blamed each other um, or put the ownership on each other back on me. But for hours of peace and carefree vacation because of all the hours I logged on the cell phone. My goals were blocked. My anger felt justified. Who wouldn't want a peace-filled, trouble-free vacation? Who, uh, who wouldn't want to perform their best to their ability and in, in run the race or compete? Uh, who wouldn't want a good health report from your doctor who wouldn't want a nice hotel that actually resembles the picture you see on the internet oftentimes we confuse our personal goals with God's goals of course God wants all this good stuff for me but sometimes God has greater goals than the pursuit of our own desires after understanding our negative feelings then we need to pinpoint the lies that we've been believing which is the second step we need to take when we're feeling all sorts of junk in our lives. We need to pinpoint the lie by asking probing questions. There's a covenant pastor named Craig from Oklahoma who was in his office, and they were messing around as a staff. They're playing capture the flag during the days, you know, during the work day. And so one of the colleague co-workers came in and hid in Craig's closet Craig came in at 7 a.m. that morning and he said a spidey sense went off. Something wasn't right and he heard a little bit something in the closet and he knew, what it, he knew that it was uh, Kevin in the closet hiding. And so he walked up the closet, opened the door and he said, ah! Slammed the door, put his foot against it, said, I'm locking you in there, Kevin, all day. You're in there. Put his foot, Kevin couldn't open it because the foot was jamming the door. But there wasn't a lock on the door. And so Craig said, he reached for a chair and he tried to find a chair and wedge it under the, uh, the handle, but he didn't have a chair that fit that. And so essentially the door remained unlocked all day long, and Kevin never once tried to open it again. He just kept complaining, come on, let me out of here. Come on, let me out. Craig was just cracking up on his desk. He could have gotten out any time he wanted to, but he remained stuck because of the lie that he chose to believe. It got to the point when Craig was, had a meeting during the day and, and Kevin, he cleared off the shelves in the closet, climbed up into the um, ceiling tiles, uh, removed the ceiling things, and he was walking across the ceiling during this meeting. Boom, 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 boom. said, hey, would you quit it? I'm in a meeting. I'll call the fire department to rescue you, but just, you know, that type of thing. Well, how often do we engage with Satan believing his lie? It's not a power encounter that we have with Satan because his power was stripped on the cross when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. 
And yet we continue to give Satan power over us by believing the only thing he has against us, which is the power of his tongue, the power of the lie. And he knows that if we can believe his lies, then he can hold us in bondage. He could lock us in our negative emotions and reactions. So we need to pinpoint the lie by asking probing questions. On Monday night, I sat there as I was preparing for this sermon, even the week before, I began to ask myself, why am I feeling so stinking discouraged right now that I'm unable to sleep? Lord, why am I upset and angry and depressed? Why am I so competitive that who cares if we lose a church softball game? Why do I turn to distractions when I'm upset? Why am I so angry and frustrated? Why do I get anxious when things are uncertain? Why do I lose my temper when someone blocks my goal? Why am I so hurt when others express disappointment in me? Why, what are the real needs that I'm trying to meet in my wrong pursuits? What am I trusting in for peace and comfort and well-being other than God? So what I did was essentially I began to ask these pinpoint questions to discern, God, why am I feeling this way? Help me discern. Uh, give me wisdom. Could it be that my dis- uh, discouragement over a silly loss reveals that I'm trusting in my own personal success for my fulfillment in life, my security and joy? Rather than trusting God, which I know I'm really trusting in a victory Uh, Could it stem back to my little league days when I struck out and I was humiliated and I had to deal with that and and just the peer influence and pressure? Could it stem back to that, Lord, that I need to deal with? Could it be that my anger with the hotel reveals my need to be in control of everything rather than trust God with my resources, with my every need? Well, once we understand our negative feelings and then try to pinpoint the lies that are connected to those feelings, then finally, we need to replace those lies that God revealed to us with the truth of what God says. David struggled with feeling really abandoned by God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? But he cried out to God in verse 5, and there's a turning point. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And I don't think that David just wrote this. Ah, okay, done, done with a short psalm. And I think he struggled. And through the struggle, the Lord revealed himself through his prayer language and, and whatnot. The Lord revealed himself to David and, it, and changed his, his mind and his heart. In the course of David's prayer... David's hopeless heart was replaced with God's peace, with hope, and with confidence that, because he remembered God's faithfulness and he was confident that God would continue to be faithful no matter how life looks. Another time Israel had felt that they were forgotten by God and they cried out, Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me, and then God reminded them of the truth through the prophet Isaiah, which would be essentially opening God's truth of his word. Isaiah 14, 15, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you, says God. 
See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. On my own, I couldn't shake my negative feelings last Monday night. I was wallowing in in the lie that a victory could somehow give me meaning in life and happiness. So I turned on the Olympics. But then I had to turn off the Olympics because I needed to hear from God because I couldn't distract myself away from my feelings. And God met me in his word. And he reminded me of countless ways that he'd been faithful to me. He reminded me, be faith, you know, I've been faithful to give you good health and a family and a home and, and a job and a church family. And, and I jotted these things down. Um, God reminded me that his greater goals for me cannot be thwarted. He who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. He reminded me that our suffering is not in vain. We know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us. And, and, we can, and, and he, he reminded me that we can learn to be content in all circumstances as the Apostle Paul wrote even when he was chained in prison. I am not saying this because I'm in need for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances in plenty and in want, Paul says. I was reminded that God's provision is always available. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I was reminded that we can experience joy and perseverance even during our trials. Because perseverance is, is a trial that endures. James 1, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, which leads to maturity. I was reminded that we could be confident that justice is coming even when you're treated unjustly. I was reminded that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. We're being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory. God reminded me that he was always working for my good. Romans 8, 28, all things work for the good. God reminded me that our purpose is increasingly to display the fruit of the Spirit in his life, in our lives. Galatians 5. When we experienced this hotel fiasco, we, we lost probably having to find another hotel and drive an hour south again and, and all this. We probably lost upwards of three, $350. God says, do you think it's worth it that you learn how to be more patient and more, have more self-control and respond with more kindness? Do you think that is more important than a $300 that you may have lost on this deal? God, God told me, I said, I guess so. I really want my $300 back, though. You know? And give it to me now! No. But God says, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is eternal. Your $350 doesn't... I don't bat an eye at that, God says. I could provide. Um, and then God reminded me that He has chosen us to glorify His name above all else, especially to those in the darkness. And you know, when we're in the darkness... The light shines brighter. When we're walking through dark times, that's when our testimony shines even brighter and gives more glory to God. So I want to end with these two illustrations and then I'll be done. Uh, Last week, an American runner named Isaiah Jewett in the Olympics got tripped up by Botswana's Nigel Amos in the 800-meter semifinal. And after their initial shock of both laying on the track, they shook hands, they hugged, uh, they went arm in arm, and then they jog side by side to the finish line. Both of their goals for Olympic medal was blocked. 
But I wonder how many millions of people witnessed this event and their grace and respect given to one another before the entire world. I wonder how many will remember that. In fact, the commercial has been made with this incident already. This truly embodies the Olympic spirit, someone noted. And then English soccer player Bukayo Saka literally had his goal blocked in the last penalty attempt. But the next day, Fleming Rutledge, a priest and theologian, posted this picture and added these words. I wonder if there is any image more beautiful than the embrace of the one who trains, equips, and releases you, and when you fail, still embraces you and reminds you that your value comes from who you are, and I might add whose you are, not by what you did. See, a blocked goal of being a hero led to a much bigger goal that gave glory to God. And so... That's what I learned this past week using my kind of silly examples. But I think we can all apply this to our lives, can't we? Because we all deal with anger. We all struggle with anxiety. And we all get discouraged and sometimes depressed just because life is hard. And how can we learn to overcome these these feelings that invade us? Well, again... We need to understand that these negative feelings can be used as God's warning signs, that something is amiss, that we're pursuing the wrong goal. And then secondly, we need to pinpoint the lie that we've been believing by asking honest, probing questions in prayer regarding those feelings. And then finally, we need to replace the lie with what God says is true. And then we'll embrace God's goals and we'll learn to live as overcomers. Let's pray. And so, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the, your servant, King David, who wrestled just like we do throughout his life. He had many ups and downs to the roller coaster and the tumultuous upheaval of life, and we do as well. But thank you, Lord, that um, you've given us a way to overcome because we have overcome through Christ, who died and rose again. Help us learn to apply this using these principles that David taught us. In Christ's name, amen.